Here's Cal Worthington and his dog Spot. If you need a better car, go see Cal. He's the greatest one by far. Go see Cal. Give a new car to your wife. She will love you all your life. Go see Cal. Go see Cal. Go see Cal. Here are a few words from Jim Morrison of The Doors about the most exciting new magazine of our day. This is Jim Morrison of The Doors suggesting you can light your own fires and open your minds by turning on to a new magazine called Cheetah. If you can't cop a copy from a friend who has one, it's now in your neighborhood newsstand with the kind of stories and pictures that really say something. There's Mama Cass on a field of daisies advertising flower power. There's a profile of Brian Wilson, the genius head of the Beach Boys. There's a report on the Boston scene from someone who's obviously been there, and more. It's a magazine with soul. Cheetah. For all you who are willing to let words and ideas ignite your imagination. But the election wasn't stolen, was it, Sarah Palin? Let's be honest. Let's be clear. The election, the election was won. Sarah, the election was. The election was won. Let me just say something. And there always is. Sarah, the election was won. The election was won fair and square by a thumping win by Joe Biden. Do you accept that? Uh, I want to see that, that our elections and every polling place is run cleanly. Now, I was a governor. I don't know why you're laughing. It is civil process. That is the way lawyers do it. We send notices of deposition. In the I, notice I, would, of I would remind everybody that we will have order yeah. in I don't the chamber if you, during these proceedings. I haven't laughed at any of you. And there's nothing laughable here. Like Mr. Musk thinks. Are we living in simulation? I find it hard to argue against that possibility. Meaning? Meaning. You look at our computing power today. And you say, I have the power to program a world inside of a computer. Well, imagine in the future where you have even more power than that. And you can create characters that have, for example, free will or their own perception of free will. So this is a world. And I program in the laws that govern that world. That world will have its own laws of physics and chemistry and biology. Now, you're a character in that world and you think you have free will. And you say, I want to invent a computer. So you do. Hey, I want to create a world in my computer. And then that world creates a world in its computer. And then you have simulations all the way down. So now you lay out all these universes and throw a dart. Which of these universes are you most likely to hit? The original one that started it? Or the countless simulations, the daughter simulations that uh, unfolded thereafter? Of Texas. Yeah. I'm uh, working on a new screenplay. Here's my new my new idea. I think this is a million dollar idea too. Okay. You know the movie Brokeback Mountain? Yes. Okay. Stay with me here. It's Brokeback Mountain. Only one of the dudes is a lady. All right. Now, okay. So, no. Hold on. I know what you're thinking, but I don't think it, it could work. It could work. Listen, it's I, it's it, I would bill it as an as the first intergender Western movie. What do you think about that? It's been done. 
No, 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 no. Brokeback Mountain was done. What I'm saying, maybe you missed my my twist here, is that you got the, okay, Brokeback Mountain. You got the two. You got to You got to You got one of the dudes out. You have a male and a female, and you. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I, I would I tell you this before? No, but it's been done. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I understand. Okay, I get that the Senate trial wasn't a normal trial as you would have in a court of law. But if you're a juror, you need to be in there when testimony is being heard. And you do not meet with the attorneys from either team, either side. Fifteen Trumpublicans skipped a whole day, at least, of testimony. Who knows if they skipped both days. And then three of the Republicans met with Trump's attorneys who, let's be honest, any of us, they could have pulled anybody off the street and done a better job originally or one time. And then Ted Cruz went back and met with them a second time. Should that not disqualify you as a juror, both of those situations? They would. I think the problem is, as you said, it's not a trial. And the problem is calling it a trial because people expect certain things of a trial, like you just said which he called it what it was, I don't even know what it was, a political gesture between two parties, then but people the, maybe and, didn't have as, as many expectations of it. But you are declaring, in the end of it, you say guilty, not guilty. So how are these people able to make, and I, I get the whole thing about who they are, but how can they, they should not be allowed to make any type of decision, not having heard the or seen any of the evidence. And especially meeting with the attorneys. I believe it was Cruz, Mike Lee, and either Rand Paul or Holly. You can't, I don't care what the situation is, to go and talk for hours with the attorneys from one of the sides. Wrong, 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 and wrong. If you can't be there, if you don't care enough to be there, don't vote. And then those 15 to 18 when it's all said and done, the number in the Senate goes down to 92, 93, and you only need two-thirds of that. Or No, wait, 82 or 83. You can't be there, you don't vote. Period. The end. Boom. They have to be there to vote, don't they? I mean, isn't it isn't it a two-thirds of those present vote? They showed up to vote, but they didn't show up for the, the presentation. Right. In essence, so they didn't know what they were voting on. Right. Voting and, for, voting again. But you know what I mean? And it could have been. I just think that that's... Yeah, I think a lot of the problem is that the rules of impeachment are so vague and left to the discretion of the people who are doing the quote-unquote trial, that it's fairly meaningless. And it's pretty rare, I think, when you have a trial where half of the jury is complicit. Generally, you would go through a jury process and eliminate those who are complicit, or, or especially those who are biased. But in this case, they were actually literally complicit. So if you were to recuse all of those people, it may have been closer to being a fair trial. But I... But back to the beginning, if you can't show up you can't vote period seems fair yeah if you meet for hours with attorneys who are representing the accused the guilty you don't vote either you're an attorney or you're a juror you don't get to be both well those are certainly aspects of a trial of a real criminal trial and i think that's i think that's why this isn't a trial so it should be there's a lot of things that i would change all you'd have to do is really just use use the same criteria you use for a criminal trial if he had at been least, guilty, it would have been the next step. Can he ever hold office again? Which he would have failed because that's a simple majority. Yeah, I, I don't know that this is what's going to happen, but it would be wonderful if what happened, if the takeaway from this is that we got to overhaul.
overhaul the whole system as far as impeachment and as far as presidential powers. That's not going to happen, obviously, because why would any president in power want that to limit their own powers? But that would be a wonderful takeaway from all this because we know the outcome of any future impeachment now. Well, they had, I mean, they had, again, more bipartisanship. Mitch standing up afterwards and saying, oh, yeah, he's guilty as all get out. He did it. It's his fault. Let's let the courts handle it. I I don't want to put my name on it. But, yeah, he's guilty. Hold him accountable. I know that you um, bristle when I single out Democrats. But in this case, I don't know that I'll ever understand why they back down with witnesses legitimately. I understand their excuse for doing so. The Republicans would just start calling in a witness. That wasn't the case, though, because every witness would have to be voted on. They serve 100 people. They wanted to interview everybody. And had they been willing to, what the Democrats proposed was Zoom depositions. During this week, wherever you are, Zoom on in and we'll get your testimony. And Plunk Bucket, who, Philadelphia, was like, nope, nope, nope. They all need to come to my office. All 100 and some of them. The whole goal of that was to be putting off business. You can't vote on anything else. You can't do anything else. Do I agree with it? No. I, w- I wish there would have been some. I really do. I think there needed to be. So am I satisfied? No. Isn't that but I understand. Discretion? I understand why they did it, but I'm not satisfied. But isn't that at the discretion of the majority leader, which in this case would be a Democrat? I mean, they, it was clearly a bluff. The Republicans won because they always win. They're Lucy holding the ball, and the Democrats are always going to be Charlie Brown because they keep falling for it. It was so obviously a bluff. I'm sitting on the couch thinking, oh, seriously? This is what they're going to – this is this is their strategy? We're going to call 300 witnesses. So call them on the bluff. Say, okay, go ahead. Who you, who's number one? And then you vote on that person. And then it's okay. There is a process, and the Republicans are really good at that. Like supervillains are better than superheroes because superheroes have this code of ethics which they have to uphold, which is great. But the villains are always going to win in, in cases like that. And I think they're they're laughing now. The Republicans are laughing. They got exactly what they wanted, which is to kick the can down the road, let somebody else deal. They all know Trump is guilty. There's no question. There isn't a single person in that Senate chamber who thinks he's innocent. So they kick it down the... the... thinks he is. Who? Lindsey, as hard as he's pushing. I mean, he's just making himself all the fool. No, he knows. He knows. Who's the stupidest person there? Literally the stupidest person. Oh, that's a big question. Yeah. I mean, I would say they know. So if the stupidest person knows, Lindsey Graham isn't stupid. This was his choice he made a long time ago. He sold his soul for politics, and he's willing to go to he any extreme. No, no dignity left. None whatsoever. I mean, we, we don't know yet what, what they're holding over him as far as blackmail goes, but it's certainly more than just that he's gay, because everybody knows he's gay. So yeah. what's the logical ex, uh, extension of that? Some trouble Who's he might have gotten into? The real Lindsey Graham. Is he the guy who was around when John McCain was alive, or is he this guy? I think he's both. I think he's an opportunist. And having McCain as a friend, and I assume that they really were truly friends, gave him a cover to sometimes do the right thing. But, you know, what's the, uh, what's the old adage that, that water finds its, finds its, uh, I don't know. I'll cut this out because it sounds stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Lee doesn't even know an old adage. I got the power of the keys. I can take out what I want. Oh, man, I can, I can make myself sound like Marlon Brando if I want to. Oh, there you go. Not really, but... Stella! Could you please pass the butter? <laughs> there was a, t- a long time ago I lived in a security building. It was just a six-plex. But uh, you could either call me on the phone and I would have to come down and open the door, which I would have to go down and open it either way. But on days when the weather was nice, the windows in my living room, the bottom windows on the side, opened 
from the bottom, from the base they opened out, so you could still have the windows open and the rain wouldn't get in. So when people would come to visit, I made them stand by the door and yell, Stella. Nice. Yep. Don't yell, Stella, you don't get in. Call me, and the windows are open. Nope, hang up. And extra points a, if you're wearing a, a wife beater? Probably not. No? Oh, I'm come probably. on, that's, that's part of the character. I know. You know, I was in a performance of Streetcar in Desire. I did not play Stanley, Stanley Kowalski. And you... <laughs> <laughs> I was the rescuing uh, sea turtles, by the way. They are? Yes. Okay. The Texas game wardens. Yes, thank goodness. So the other thing, what has happened anyway. to discretion and decorum? I don't know. I don't either. And good old-fashioned conversation. That I've been wondering about for a long time. The art of conversation has died or is dying a very slow death. Do you remember the days when, okay, let's say I would say, ask you, hey, Lee, how was your day thus far? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to answer. Oh, I'm supposed to answer. Okay, I thought it, I was... <laughs> I thought I was living inside a hypothetical. Okay, I'm ready. I would say, oh, well, my day's been fine so far. How about yours? Oh, well, good. Thanks. What have you been doing? Oh, well, you know, I, uh, had some breakfast. Am I doing this right? Okay, the point of it is someone would say, hi, how are you? The other person might say, well, I'm great, or I'm blah, blah, blah. How are you? And you ask the other person a question. If you said, oh, I had breakfast. Oh, what did you have? You know, get into it. Sorry, at that point, it's a little old people speak where you talk about food and doctor's appointments. But nonetheless, you ask someone. Today, of course, I already painted a ceiling. Oh, Mary, you might ask me what room or what color. You ask about what the other person mentions. Anymore, it's back to me. So if I said, what have you done? You said I had breakfast. I would say, oh, I had breakfast too. And I had blah, blah, blah. It's never, there just doesn't seem to be interest true, genuine interest in the other person and what they're doing anymore. It's waiting till they finish their comment so you can say what you want to say or another person can say what they want to say. It's a tennis match of statements. Oh, I totally agree. I'm as guilty of that. It's frustrating for me to be on the other side of that when I begin a conversation and then, as you said, immediately goes back to me, 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 me. I don't know. I don't know when that started. I don't know if it's... It's unfortunate. uh, It's sad. It's very unfortunate. People... It's about being in the moment. Well, and so many times, let's say you call someone you've been friends with for a long time, something fantastic happened. Jack's podcast got picked up. He reached a new milestone in listeners. And wrestlers, he has been talking about, heard it and thought it was really cool and called in. Mm -hmm. Big name wrestlers, right? Which is is actually Yes. So you call someone to share because this is big news. And they should say something along the lines of, Wow, that's amazing. How excited is he? What's blah, blah, blah. What was the conversation? What were they talking about? Who called in? Ask questions about this big milestone, right? And instead, oh, yeah, I like wrestling or something just completely dream crushers at that point. It's kind of like I called you. I chose you. I could have called how many other people, but I chose you, my friend, because this was a big deal and I wanted to share it with you. And all I get back is something about yourself. No, I called you to celebrate my son and my son's accomplishments. Can we please just talk about this for one minute? Sorry, Jack, to throw you in there. I think Jack appreciates it. At the very (laughs) least, it's being cognizant of a person's excitement. And if you if you come to me excited about something that I personally wouldn't be excited about, it shouldn't hinge upon my excitement. It's about you. You're telling me you're excited about this. And this is, I think, something that I learned as a parent. It was almost like a second childhood where I learned how to redo things and how to listen to... Because children obviously are excited about things that they're excited about and adults aren't excited about. But you need to share the excitement 
It's about the excitement. It isn't about a particular Pokemon card. It's about the excitement, <laughs> you know? And yeah, and yeah. and I have to be honest here, and, and Jack and Casey, if you're hearing this, <laughs> Daddy to be loves honest, you. Daddy loves you, and Daddy did his best with Pokemon. Okay, I was all in with superheroes, comic books, uh, board games, almost everything that my kids were really super into, 100%. Pokemon lost me entirely. I tried. Kids, I tried to, to hang in there with you, but I don't know that. I don't know, and I'm never going to care the difference between Charizard and it's Some wonderful. Really, that, that... my son changed the rules all the time. I don't know when you guys were playing the whatever. I think he made up the games. I don't know what your experience was with this. And so, thank goodness, my father and my brother would play. And of course, Kenny was very young, and so he always had to win. And if he wasn't winning, then rules changed mid-game, and I. <laughs> I'm not always very good at that, to be honest. So I don't know. Did you all have that same experience at your house, or did you just play through? Well, they didn't really play. It was more about collecting the cards and reciting statistics to each other. That oh. was really the game. There wasn't like a tournament or anything. Got to have the uh, posters. They Oh, they had everything. And I mean, looking back, that was a really exciting time for them, as I'm sure every and uh, very expensive milestone thing. is. It could be expensive, sure. Even in the moment, I knew I was failing somehow because I was just not getting the enthusiasm. I tried, as I said, I tried to at least pretend. But again, it comes back to rather than how I feel about Pokemon. Mm -hmm. It showed up for your kids. Yeah. It it was. How I feel about Justin Bieber makes no difference. If you like Justin Bieber, then that's wonderful. He, so, and you know, my, I have peculiar tastes. I have very peculiar interests. No. One might say, yes, it's probably true. I don't ask that anyone share those with me. I only ask that you show the respect toward my enthusiasm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. uh, Somebody, if I'm suddenly obsessed with quantum mechanics, I'm not, but if I was, I can't imagine anybody being very interested in listening to me yapping about it, but it would be appreciative if they honored my enthusiasm and and took it that way. So yeah, I I like fixing things. So remember this, if I talk about fixing something in the house, because I do have two big projects coming up and I am excited. But I'm excited excited too. I am. I mean, I'm not in a condescending way. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it makes me happy. It puts me in a good mood. So you'd think everyone would appreciate it. Yeah. Mary, here's a project. Do you seem cranky today? (laughs) See that thing over there? It needs a little work. Wait, where? What? Oh, got it. There you go. See? And off, yeah, I mean, off to the lumber store. To well, the home improvement store. Yeah. I could go to Best Buy. Well, back okay, back when there was one, I could go to Virgin Megastore. That was my Zen palace. I could spend the entire day there. Really? Best Buy? And I'd be completely happy. The Virgin Megastore was um, Richard Branson, the Virgin guy. From, oh, yes. Uh, he started a, I guess they were probably in London, in New York, maybe somewhere else. I'm not really sure, but it, the idea was it was going to be a superstore for entertainment. So it was, at the time, it was CDs, VHS, and then it went to DVD, but it was three floors in Union Don't Square. Don't forget the, um, the little time period where they looked like the disc, they looked like albums. Oh, uh, Laserdiscs, yeah. Well, this was even, see, I was a Laserdisc guy. This would have been post-Laserdisc, pre-Blu-ray. Okay. But there were three floors. And one floor was all videos. One floor was music. I mean, the, the largest music selection in New York. Which is Did they let you play them? Yeah. See, there were there were sound there were booths where you could put headphones on and listen to stuff. And there was a, a floor of books, so you could literally spend an entire day there and not feel yes. like you're wasting any time. So I was I don't know, you think you just walked in? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's those are all gone. I mean, they, they, those do not exist. Tower Records was was before that, and those are all gone too. You, you, you can't browse. 
anymore. But, but look, I don't care. I mean, if, if, if you collect Beanie Babies, I have no interest in Beanie Babies myself, but I will share your enthusiasm if that's what you're into. I think think about discretion. This idea that just because you think something, you should be able to say it without following one of the number one rule of sales: know your audience. If I and I'll take it, if I thought something and I knew it would hurt somebody, and the pain that I would cause them should be more than the gratification I should get in saying it, you don't say it. Right. There was a recent experience with. Some people and things were said about a really great person. Now, this person has passed, so they can't even defend themselves. And the stuff that was said was said to someone else who deeply loved this person for their entire life. It wasn't me. And the attitude of the person saying it was, I think, just smug. Like, I know something and I can say something, but what? I got to swear here. What the hell? What the hell were you thinking? What the hell did you just do? And sometimes words will cause irreparable damage. Sure. What? Discretion is the better part of valor, if I remember correctly. Was this a case of, of somebody just because of grief, not knowing what they were saying? Or is this a person oh, who no, they generally knew, doesn't? They knew straight on. Were they trying to get a rise out of people? No, I think they were trying to be, I don't want to say woke, because that would be misusing the word in this instance. At this point, every word is smug by the writing. So. Smug is the way it came off to me. I remember when freedom of speech was a leftist idea, or at least presented as such. So they've co-opted everything. Yeah, I do love this whole cancel culture, cancel culture. You left-wing radicals, blah, 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 canceling everything. Oh, I don't like what you said. Censure! And, Censure! Uh, Dixie Chicks might uh, have a different yes. take on that. Oh, did you hear about, was it the guy from Pennsylvania uh, who said, you'll have to look it up, I cannot remember his name, and... They were interviewing him about why the state Republican Party wants to censure the guy who voted, rightfully, to convict Trump. Mm-hmm. We didn't send him there to vote his conscience or to do the right thing. The man said this, and it has been played over and over and over. So forever, he's, we didn't send the guy there to do the right thing. Okay. Yeah, but you're taking my words in context. That's not yeah. fair. It's not what it meant. The mayor of texas did he resign today did i see that after that uh the governor of texas i thought it was the mayor the ma- well i guess it would mayor be mayor of, of, texas. Of, mayor of something state. thank you mayor of something in texas tweeted out this really really awful thing saying basically that people were complaining about the government not providing heat for them need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps i really thought it was parody at first i got through the entire paragraph and i still wasn't sure and then i had to read the comment section to find out yeah it was actually real so people are freezing to death, but they need yeah. to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Well, he was saying, find find another way to take care of your family. Don't ask the government for it. That was literally what he said. So <laughs> I, I think I, I think I read the follow-up that he resigned. Good. Well, there's privatization for you right there. It worked. They privatized the power grid. A couple yeah. guys made a lot of money. Good for them, huh? No one ever could have foreseen this happening. No. No. How would you? How could you? You couldn't. Did you see, I don't know what source this is now, which is kind of a lousy thing to, to bring up without knowing the source, but when I went looking for the source, I found different sources, and they all had a different list. But the, some online source came up with a list of the most racist states in America. They listed them. Oh, well, do tell. take a guess at where our home state of Nebraska falls in there. I, I believe it's only 1 through 20. I don't think they oh, went. We're in the top 10. It's in the top 10. Somewhere either five or five, maybe eight. Number My three. My three. Number three, yeah. Pretty much like the Cornhuskers all through the 80s, right? I was, hey, hey, hey. It's I, a little joke. Just a little little football no, joke. Everybody settle down. Nope, Everybody settle down. 
Hey, 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 hey. I had a lot of really good friends playing. Of course. No, nice. I, well, I had a lot of, not a lot of drunken friends who got really angry. But anyway, what's, what baffles me is that Nebraska is above Idaho. Oh, you know what? It, the criteria they used wasn't just like, it was, I think it was hate groups. So I would have guessed Idaho was number one. Really? If I had to guess, yeah. I would have given it to a southern state. Really? I would have gone back to probably around Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're up there. They might, might have been number two, actually. Our winner, if we can have uh, a little drum roll here. Oh, we don't have a band. The, the winner of the most racist state for the 75th year in a row, Montana. Hello, Montana. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me too much. I would think I would have guessed Idaho, and then I, and then maybe Montana. A couple of <gasps> now. Rush Limbaugh but, died. Yay! <laughs> finally, some good news. Breaking news. Finally, some good news. Okay, excellent. Finally. Now, if y'all are Rush Limbaugh fans, that's not my fault. <laughs> if you're Rush Limbaugh fans, go away. Turn this off right now. We do not want oh, you. Congrats. Oh yes, Rush wow. Limbaugh died. I hope it was painful. I know cancer, it was stage cancer, four. Yeah. It I think, lung cancer that had metastasized. Now, I wonder if that's um, a result of the OxyContin addiction that he had, or... Was it just Oxy? Wasn't he addicted to a few things? I wonder uh, if Donald will get his gold microphone. Oh, at least we can say he died with a Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yeah, that just so makes that's a good thing. Stuff. In all seriousness, I think you could almost... You could, you could lay probably 75% of the blame for the current state of things on Rush Limbaugh personally, not just AM radio, but him personally. There was a time in the mid eighties. No, no later eighties. I had a friend who listened to him and I tried to listen to him for a little bit and he, I didn't agree with him, but he wasn't as offensive, but I, you know, probably I gave it a good 10 tries and was no way. Can one of those things you really hope would go away? Yeah. And he just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And well, he and he got bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh, totally. Until he got a stomach staple. But he didn't even invent anything. I mean, all these guys, we think they come up with something. He he was doing the shtick that Bob Grant was doing before him. He amped it up a little bit, but it was the same racist, playing on the same racist fears of the common man. And I used to, when, when AM radio really took off, like late 80s, early 90s, I had friends who were not at all right wing, but that's what they listened to. They listened to Bob Grant and then Limbaugh all day. That's all they would have on the radio. It would just be this constant stream. And, and they were kind of laughing at it to an extent, but... Until some, of it, until some of it starts to sink in. Or not sink in, but kind of plant itself, implant. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that, I don't think we'll ever probably know how insidious it is just the like we were talking about the the fox news and being brainwashed i think if you listen to that steadily four hours a day five days a week that becomes your worldview that becomes the truth we know people who who do yeah yeah so i mean i I don't want to let anybody off the hook they're adults but it's easier to understand rather than just saying oh they're stupid people or they're bad people it's easier to understand when you think of it that way for me at least yeah Um, but where will his people go I don't know. Did he? He's, did he still probably had a pretty sizable audience, right? Was he still on the air oh, yeah. up until? Yeah, I don't know when he went up, but he was. He was still going. Yeah. Probably. You know, I can't say I followed him closely. It's. Well, but they've got to go somewhere, and they probably listen to some of the other people 
But will they try and replace him or will there just be two to four hours in their day now that they'll have to fill with somebody else? Did he ordain a successor to his throne? Again, not a... Yeah, because that, that might be the answer there if he if he's already groomed somebody for... Uh, they don't care. I mean, to be honest, it's it's... If you ever listen to like four hours of talk radio, you realize that's a lot of time to fill. It's a lot of time to, you know, we talk for less than an hour every week. And, well, <laughs> well what I mean, what I mean, what I mean is. Here less than an hour, about an hour. What I mean is to, to sit. Yes. Noon to four o'clock and talk, 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 talk for those four hours. You're going to say a bunch of stuff. How yeah. boring. Would yeah. you have, you have to create something to fill the time and as far as i, I know he never wonder how many that. people he had listening and watching and i'm gonna say reading <laughs> yeah. oh take that one on the road mary oh mm. well while moving their mouth yeah i don't even think he did that i, I think i don't think there was really any content in his show other than him talking as far as i remember he uh, like something like this howard stern show four hours but they have pre-take bits which yeah. they put oh. in and, and they, they have breaks and stuff. I think it was just him talking. Yeah, no, talk, I meant um, staff that would look up goings-ons so he could comment about them. Not anything pre-taped or not playing anything else that they had heard, but somebody watching actual news programming, uh, watching sports programming, all these different things so he could take government, so he could take it apart, chop it up, skew it, and run with it. But it was when the FCC got rid of the having to present differing opinions of both sides on a controversial issue. Right. The fairness doctrine? Is that what it was? And then he just went to town as the total scumbag that he is. Was. Was. Yay. I was team heard it here first, folks. Well, not really here first, but we heard, I heard it first. That's right. Right. Smack in the middle of his show. You know what I'll say about that idiot is Al Franken's first book, Rush Limbaugh is a Big Fat Idiot. It wasn't that one. I went to a reading that Al did at uh, Barnes & Noble in uh, Manhattan when his other book came out, the one about Bill O'Reilly. Remember that one? Uh, no, Fox, I've got it. Lying, liar, lying Liars and you know, something like that. Uh, and uh, it was great. And uh, guess who was in the audience with me? Standing room only. Standing mm, eight feet in front of me for the whole time. I couldn't. I have no idea. You don't want to take a guess? No. Nope. take a guess at all? Academy Award winner? Tom and Hanks? It down. No. <laughs> See, I would have said multiple. Ah. Well, yeah, I was thinking about he and Rita again this morning while I was painting and wondering if I was being a little too pushy about the picnic. So I decided to back off. Probably another quick follow-up text saying, hey, apologize to be so pushy type of thing. I get that you guys are busy. Yeah. That y'all are busy, but... And the weather's terrible. Uh, Multiple... I don't know. Academy Award winner in the 70s in... Also stars in, did not win the Oscar for, but stars in one of my favorite films of all time and probably one of the five best films ever made. Not going to go for it. Uh, As she shakes her head, nope. Richard Dreyfus. Oh, Richard goodbye, yes. girl. He was. He was. Close uh, Encounters of the Third Kind. I was thinking of Jaws. That's the one I was thinking yes. of. Yes. Yes, you're correct on both fronts. Yeah, that that one also. But he was, uh, yeah, he so was just... you went for the there. obvious. Well, that's the movie, that, you know, that is... The perfect film, really, Jaws. There's not a single frame in that film that's misdone. And that's, I'll die on that hill. And I don't even swim. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to swim if you're on a hill. You know, swim. that's a good point. You could, unless you, well, I suppose if you, if the hill were surrounded by a moat, you'd probably have to be very cautious. I would have to be very cautious because I don't swim. 
Huh. Right. But that's okay. I'm I'm willing to take that risk. Don't plan on being on a on a hill, and if I do, hopefully it's not surrounded by a moat. So I uh, I'm okay. Or and that's. Big- deep pond that takes up the vast majority of the land, so that fear if you fall asleep, you'd roll into the pond. Oh, it just gets uglier. I don't know how to get out of this. Why no? A segue. Yeah. Oh, what? Let's try that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Are you being like those things that you write on? Yeah. Have you ever seen a cop on a segue? Yeah. Not to change the subject, but have you ever seen a cop on a segue? Yeah. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Get the G-Force going. (laughs) Pretty intimidating right there. Keeps me in line. Just the thought of it. Just the thought of it. So, I've seen a good movie. Uh, You what? Seen? Oh, wait. Saw? I saw Saw. a good movie. Saw. 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 Saw a good movie. It's it's a documentary, actually. And, you know, do you know anything about the, the simulation hypothesis, they call it? That's basically, it sounds kooky. It might be. There's no real evidence to support it, but uh, the idea is sort of like The Matrix, the movie The Matrix and, and okay. other other movies like that. The idea being humanity is part of a simulation, a computer simulation. And, the, and this is really only developed recently because people have started, like, our knowledge of computers and the power of computers has been developing at such a rapid pace that it's easy to sort of extrapolate as, like, 40 years ago... From where we are now, from where we were 40 years ago, is such an enormous leap. Anyway, the idea is... Four we score are, and seven years ago. How long? What is that, like 60 years? Why don't they just say 60 years? Well, it can't be know. 60 if it ends in a seven. Or seven. Just just say it, whatever it is. If you can't remember how many years it is, then just say, you know, a long time ago... Sorry, but if a score was 10 years, then that would have fit in perfectly, because you said 47 years ago, and all of a sudden four score and seven years. Sorry. Seven years, yeah. Just say forty-seven. No. Anyway, okay. So, the, so here's what. The, so the thing is, we are already building our own like virtual reality worlds and worlds like Minecraft. The generation yeah. of our children growing up in this world, where that's already something they think about creating virtual virtual worlds. So the idea is that what if we are living in one of these simulated worlds? May I interrupt for just a moment? Please do. Please, thank you. If we are, and this thing is a simulation that somebody created for me, I'd like to talk to whoever's in charge of creating my reality. There are a few tweaks I'd like to make. It could be possible that I'm the player in this game, and you are part of the game, or vice versa. Huh. Or we could be marginal characters in somebody else's game. Would our friends do this to us? Well, we wouldn't, there's really no way to ever know. And there's nothing to distinguish. By definition, there wouldn't be anything to distinguish it from reality because we would have been created to simulate reality or at least our perception of reality. And let's face it, everything we know about everything comes down to our senses. So Perception is reality. You might see color in a different way than I see color, and we'll never be able to know that or, or, or sound or whatever. So... Our reality really is subject to... Experience. Yes, and, and whims even. I don't know. I don't know. Here's. It sounds like just a crazy you know, uh, theory that somebody came up with when they were smoking weed. And it might have been, but actually it was, a, I think, a physicist who came up with it. But you know what? Neil deGrasse Tyson is almost on board with this. Okay, that gives it some credibility. 
very much so. That's when all I, you have to I do is say that. that like, oh, you say his name and say, oh, okay. That's exactly where I was. As soon as I heard that, I was like, wait, what? He's on record as saying, I wish I could give you an explanation for why that's not a possibility, but I can't. So it's not really a committal. And he goes into it in depth, too, if, uh, if you're interested in, in his opinions on this. It's creepy, if you think about it. I think this ties in. That affected by, I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, it doesn't really change, change it's, anything. It's, no, it doesn't. <laughs> that's that's the what's one of the weird aspects of it is it doesn't change anything as no. far as the way I'm going to live my life. If I were given proof right now that this is what happened, if somebody said, "Oh, be, oh, you, you figured it out," boom, I wouldn't it wouldn't change anything. But, oh, okay, it, cool. cool. Would it whatever. make you question if? The whole idea that we believe in free will, but if it's someone else's game, do we actually have free will? Are we actually making the decisions? Or are the decisions, is everything predetermined, but they allow us to think that we are? Well, we would be subject to the rules of the game. So whoever created the game would have created something, and it wouldn't necessarily even need to be free will. It would only have to give us the illusion of free will. That's what I just said. We, we, okay. So... <laughs> I thought maybe they wanted to hear a man's voice. <laughs> so, I'm, all, I'm listening. I'm listening. I swear. Are we back to put the shovel down? Oh, put boy. down the shovel. Put, so, put a beep because I'm about to call you a dumbass. Okay. Leave nope. that in. That's Leave that two, in. You that's two cusses. You're only allowed one one curse word per show. So I want to. Well, well, some people wouldn't consider the first one a swear word as if you want to go biblically. That is a location. Okay. And the second one is just a slang word for part of your anatomy. So, in theory, I have not sworn yet today. All right, I suppose. Okay. So you you got one in the chamber then, right? Yes, I do. I'm gonna save it, make it a big one. Oh yes, don't waste it. Okay. Here's the thing that's that intrigues me about this, though, is that if this is our reality, then there. There doesn't need to be enough computer power to create the entire universe, just whatever my perception and your perception is of it, right? So here's where I start, where it gets a little creepy for me. I'm thinking about, like, people that I knew 30 years ago that I haven't seen in all that time. Those could be NPCs, non-playing characters in the game. They only existed for a while when I was dealing with them. And now they just don't, or else they're sort of in limbo. Now, okay, okay. stay with me here. There's, I, I want to tell one story. Of, intent, I'm listening okay. intently. That's why I'm, not, right. I'm not doing that. Oh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. Which I know generally we count on as an acknowledgement of someone paying attention, but I was just giving you the time and the space just to go. I appreciate that. Go. Go, go, go. Well, okay, so this would have been junior high school, I believe, eighth or ninth grade. And if you remember, it was a pretty small school, right? I, I in, in our class, it was maybe, what, 100, 100 kids? Under no, 200, probably. No somewhere around there. Few enough that you really kind of knew everybody by sight. You're walking the halls in between classes. You you would know if you, a, a person just appeared. More than that, because we only merged with one other school, and the graduating class was around 400. 
Okay. And we had the smallest graduating class in years. So you think it was like what, between two and three hundred, or three and four hundred, or something? Which one, the graduating? Yeah, just the class. Right. Our the... graduating class was just a few, a few folks under four hundred. Okay, I see what you're saying. So, so it was probably half of that because. Yeah. Because our high school was two middle schools merged. Gotcha. Okay. So, my point is though, it was there were few enough people that if you're walking through the halls between classes, even though you don't know everybody, like by on a first name basis, you you would know Recognized. somebody. You would, right. You would know somebody who's out of place. It seems mm-hmm. to me that was my experience. So one day, and I got to say, I don't think I've ever told this story ever. I may have told my kids this story, but that would be it. But it's breaking news, people breaking, breaking news. Breaking news. This is a big one, folks. So I'm walking in between uh, classes and, and, and of course the halls are full of kids going one way and, uh, what floor were you on? I don't remember that detail. Hmm. Sorry. I don't remember that. detail. I could lie and say I did, but, okay. uh, go on. So I'm walking along and I, uh, as I'm coming, I'm coming upon somebody who's sitting. I think maybe, maybe he's sitting on, on, I'm remembering like, like air conditioning vents or heating vents or something that were sort of lined up along the walls or something. Sit, he's sort of sitting sitting on something and kind of holding court. There's like two or three other people sitting or standing around him, like listening to him. And as I'm walking towards him, I don't recognize him at all. And I get just kind of a creepy feeling, just a feeling. Not something I normally put stock in, but I just, just kind of an odd feeling. And our eyes lock. And as I'm walking towards him, he, he, he smiled in this weird, I can't even really explain it except that it made the hairs on my arm stand up. And it actually yeah. I'm doing it right now thinking about it. And I continued to walk and our eyes locked. And as we, as I passed him, I just had this uneasy feeling and I never ever saw him before that or after that. And I, was looking because I, because it left such an impression on me. It was like, who, who is this kid? Is this like an exchange student or something? And why was yeah. he smiling at me like that? That's just so weird. Never, ever saw him, I swear to you. Huh. And, but, you know, I don't know what that means. But huh. what if, <laughs> now that well, I'm you thinking remember about... with a degree and there is dream analysis, I suppose I could dedicate a little bit of time and see what I come up with. kind of don't trust most of that because, uh, you know, even... Even if we're not living in a simulation, I think that memory is so unreliable that the stuff that goes on in our brains—I don't know that—I don't know if there's a way to unpack all that stuff. It works reliably. It works if it can work very well. I'm more Jungian than Freudian. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. I said yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So yeah. So what do you? Uh, oh, Elon Musk is is one of the main proponents of this. Not that he's you know like a smart guy or anything, but I think maybe that's why this hypothesis is getting more well known because you know, some big people are kind of latching onto it. But uh, how do the Scientologists feel about it? That's when we'll really know. Yeah, probably. Well, no, it kind of runs counter to their beliefs, doesn't it? Then that gives it a better, better possibility of being true. 
Yes, anything that's yeah, anti. Um, Sorry, <laughs> Tom. Sorry, Chris. Kirsty. Did you see? You know, I was in the I was in the drugstore the other day, and I the uh, magazine display caught my eye, and there was one of these. I don't know. I guess tabloid, like a People magazine or Us or something like that. And on right on the cover, big old big old grin on his face is a big old bald John Travolta. Did you see this? No. He's not exactly coming out, but he's coming out, at least with the baldness. He looks so happy. He's just completely bald, <laughs> finally. Like, John, we knew. We've known this for quite some time. Well, I think he still has. I think he suffers from a big bad case of male pattern baldness because he was in a commercial for the Super Bowl. Hmm. And he danced. I, I missed, and I just heard somebody say, still got it. And then he went up close to the commercial and I would have sworn it was just kind of bust cut. I don't know. Well, he's, he's definitely shaved now. I'm, yeah. Excuse me, his head is shaved now, but he's had a traumatic year. You know, I love John Travolta. I, I really do. I think he's, <laughs> he's just, uh, I remember in God, this, I remember in like the eighties, mid, mid eighties reading in one of these tabloid, like the star, uh, Enquirer or one of these things. Uh, and this was for his second career, you know, before Pulp Fiction, before I think even like, look who's talking, maybe. But, but he was basically like a straight to video guy at this point. There were a few years yeah. where, where he was totally forgotten. And then this this story comes out. It was told from another guy who claims to have been John's lover for several years, and it was just such a mundane story. Nobody, it was, it was like oh, who, it was like saying, remember that guy that was on that medical drama in the seventies? No, no, not the, the the guy who was like the third guy. Yeah, he's gay. It was like that's how much of a splash it was. Like oh, okay, sure. I just remember it was such a detailed story about and then suddenly boom he comes back with pulp fiction and so was you it know, a plant to try and bring some type of um what's somebody looking for not a, a goodwill sweet some they're not drama controversy well this might have been pre-scientology too i think scientology kind of uh you know that's one of their big things is they they get or at least it used to be. I don't think they have to do it anymore now that they've got Tom Cruise. But they were shopping around for a big, a big uh, Hollywood figurehead who could, you know, be the buffer between them and. Uh, I don't know how and, long he's been in there. Yeah, John. Well, John was going to be their guy, and then they found Cruise, and he's like, oh, never mind. Um, how long has John Travolta been in Scientology? According to Wikipedia. Has been a practitioner of oh, he's been since there since 75. When he was given the book Dianetics while filming the film The Devil's Reign in Durango, oh. Mexico. Yep, somebody gave him the book while filming The Devil's Reign in Durango. Oh, one of my favorite Travolta films is The Devil's Reign. Exactly. He's in literally eight seconds of the film. Well, long enough for someone to give him that <laughs> ridiculous book. Wow. Ridiculous. Well, okay, ridiculous. I, I stand corrected then. Well, it's not a matter of correction. It's just, oh, okay. That was a learning moment. That's all that was. I thought it was a teaching moment. Teaching moment, well, yes. Depends. I taught you learned, so it was a learning moment for you. It was a learning moment for both of us because 
Oh, boo new. Well, you learned it, then you taught me. Uh, I think we kind of... Okay. Fair enough. What haven't we talked about yet? Snow. Snow. Sick of snow. Are you getting more... We're getting more snow, I think. We're set to. Uh, y'all are in that whole path when you see... When the weather gang... And they're correct. They're probably dancing all over. We're right, you guys. Hey, we got this one. Woo! And um, yet it's been super warm, I hate to say, but it's. It, I think it might have hit 50 yesterday. It was really nice. I'm sorry. But, goodness. You know. Yeah. That's been nice. It's 18 degrees here. Oof. I went out and... I had my hat, my socking cap, but T-shirt and a sweatshirt. Out the door I went to the store. My hands got a little chilly. After a while, I'm loading all the groceries. But I tell you what, it was <laughs> compared to 18 below zero. Heaven help us if there's a breeze. This yes. Was... I'm trying to remember. Do you Can you tell the difference between minus five and minus seven? Probably not. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a difference. I'm just, I'm just like, it seems like there's a cutoff for when you actually it's like, like it's, this is as cold as I can possibly feel. And it's got to be, you know, I, under minus five is pretty, pretty cold. I have no idea. Well, you know what I hate is <laughs> I hate the wind chill. The idea of oh. the wind chill or, or even worse than that is feels like, yeah, no, it's 34. It feels like 32. Well, then say 32. But they can't because that's not what it is. Well, oddly enough, with uh, changes in temperature, whatever else is going on, they said allergies are perking up, which is what it is, and I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know. What? what? Huh? So I just got a call from hmm. the university from which I graduated. Now... I didn't even go through my ceremony. They had a, and I think I talked about this before, a diploma room where you could go pick up your diploma. Unfortunately, they had the diploma room in the same building as the graduation. So even trying to find a place to pull up, I think I jumped out and uh, the other people who had driven kind of drove around till I could come back. But it was clear inside the building. Now, nobody knows your name the whole time you're there. On... On the degree, it's stamped signatures. Why would I rent a cap and gown to walk across the <laughs> stage to sit with thousands of other people who nobody really cares? Couldn't they email it to you? Uh, no, it's in the whole pleather. Of course, they could. Leather. Yeah. I mean, it's pleather. It has to be pleather. But so every year you get the phone call, the letters about donating. For whatever reason, there's almost that obligatory thing to be join the alumni association. Would you like to, for this amount of money, you can get that? No. For this amount of money, you can get that? No. Well, it isn't about how much. Would you be willing to donate this? Much more. Yes. Just lead in with, what will you give us? We could have saved five minutes. Uh, hmm. So, it is for scholarships. And if you give the first amount, the first or second amount that they offer up, you get to choose where the money goes scholarships in this or that. And I graduated from the College of Arts and Sciences, 
and it's no matter what I give, I should be able to say I want the scholarship money to go to that school. But yeah, no, and I don't get any free gifts. But I have the pin, so I can go. That's good. Yeah, I can put a pin on my lapel, but I don't usually wear things with the lapel, so I don't wear the pin. They should at least give you a lapel. But you know, you can get your own pin. Amen. Without lapels, right? A lapel version of a dicky. Wait, does that count as a as a curse word? No, because it's actually you know what that is, right? It's is it like an ascot? No, it's the fake turtleneck kind of thing. Ascot doesn't count either. No, it has the the double turtleneck, and then it just goes a little bit over the front. It's like a. What if I said, "Don't get your ascot in the door"? Would that be that'd be a curse, right? No. That would not be. Well, depends on how you meant it. If someone's leaving the room, then yes. Oh, serves them right for wearing a freaking ascot. Have you ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything. Backwater swirl 